Welcome to Practical Wisdom, a weekly podcast about ancient Greco-Roman philosophy. I'm your host, Massimo Piliucci. Today's reading is from Plato, Eon 533b, 535a. Remember that the dialogue features Socrates in conversation with Eon, a rhapsode. Rhapsodes were performers who interpreted poems, and Eon in particular specialized in Homer. In the following bit, Socrates concludes an argument by which he has demonstrated that poets and rhapsodes do not have what he calls a skill, by which he means knowledge, but rather derive their poetry and performances from divine inspiration. Quote, Socrates, this fine speaking of yours about Homer, as I was saying a moment ago, is not a skill at all. What moves you is a divine power. For all good epic poets recite all that splendid poetry not by virtue of a skill, but in a state of inspiration and possession. The same is true of good lyric poets as well. Or don't you think I've got it right, Eon? Eon. By Zeus, I think you have. Somehow or other, your words touch my soul, Socrates, and I do believe good poets interpret these messages from the gods for us by divine dispensation. Socrates. So you rhapsodes in turn interpret the words of the poets, don't you? Eon. You're right in that too. Socrates. So your role is to be interpreters of interpreters. Eon. Surely. Unquote. What Socrates wants to argue here is that there is a profound difference between what we would today call intuition and actual knowledge. While Socrates thinks that poets and rhapsodes are inspired by the gods, we may talk of various sources of inspiration, from dreams to contemplation and even including stimulating substances like alcohol or hallucinogenic drugs. Whatever provides poets and rhapsodes with their source material, it isn't knowledge in the standard epistemological sense of justified true belief. Socrates establishes this by having Eon admitting, just before the passage quoted here, that Eon's ability to interpret poetry is limited to one poet only, Homer. When it comes to other poets, like for instance Hesiod, Eon confesses of being out of his depths, and even of getting bored because he doesn't have anything to say. Compare that, suggests Socrates, to cases of real knowledge, like that of a doctor, or a musician, or a painter. If you ask a doctor all sorts of things about medicine, she will be able to tell you. The same goes for a musician or a painter. That's because they actually possess a skill, and are not limited to whatever intuitions happen to surface to their consciousness. What Socrates is getting at is that there is a similar difference between poetry and philosophy. Poetry is not a form of knowledge and does not require expertise, while philosophy does. But why on earth would Socrates mount such an argument about the nature of poetry, and why is he taking aim at poor Eon? We need to remember that in Socrates' time, philosophy was a very young discipline, having been invented a little over a century earlier by those thinkers that we nowadays refer to as pre-Socratics, people like Parmenides, Heraclitus, Democritus, and so forth. These new kids on the block had made a momentous move that will reverberate for centuries and millennia all the way down to modern times. They had rejected mythical explanations of phenomena and invoked natural processes instead. In other words, they rebuffed poets like Homer and Hesiod as sources of knowledge, with their fantastic stories invoking gods and goddesses in favor of natural philosophy, the discipline that eventually will turn into modern science. Seen from this perspective, then, 
The discussion between Socrates and Ion marks a historical shift from the supernatural to the natural, from the incomprehensible to the understandable, from intuition to reason. We shall see how Socrates further develops his argument in future episodes of this podcast. Thank you for listening to Practical Wisdom. We will return next week, fate permitting.